Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Crisis of Crime, the weekly podcast where we talk about criminology and criminal justice reform. My name is Rachel Means, and I am a criminologist. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today, I am sitting down virtually, of course, with Ben Williams, the Chief Alliance Officer for TrackTech. Now, TrackTech is an app, and it is a solution designed to address the challenges of high recidivism rates and overwhelming caseloads faced by those responsible for community supervision and support those who are re-entering our communities. And this app provides a whole-person rehabilitative support and compliance monitoring service for those under any type of community supervision. Welcome to the show, Ben. We are so excited to have you on today. You and your team at TrackTech are revolutionizing the way we handle things like probation and parole with this new app. So I am so excited to discuss it with you. If you wouldn't mind very quickly, could you give us a brief overview of the TrackTech app? Sure thing, Rachel, and uh, thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be speaking with you. Uh, TrackTech is a mobile supervision and compliance platform that uh, allows individuals who are being supervised uh, to move about through the community using uh, a phone. Uh, either provided by us or, or an app downloaded onto their own personal phone. And then on the back end of it, uh, the case management processes and interaction with therapists and other uh, individuals involved in the case plan uh, is done through a secure browser-based system. So it gives great mobility to uh, both uh, the supervised person and uh, the staff. I feel like that's easier for both ends. It's going to help you know, alleviate some of the resources on the people who are supervising, and then it's going to be giving a lot more freedom to the people who are being supervised. So it's kind of like a win-win. So tell me, what was the inspiration for the TrackTech app? Well, it's an interesting story. Uh, Our founder and CEO, Michael Hirschman, uh, who's uh, been involved with law enforcement uh, uh, on his own uh, personally in the past, was inspired to develop the TrackTech platform while working here uh, in Colorado uh, with a team that provided supervision and compliance monitoring services uh, to local jurisdictions. While he was working with that team that was focused on a population of sex offenders, he interacted with some of the clients and came away with some insights and some questions that were left unresolved, such as, how does an individual search for a job if they don't have internet access? Or how can a supervision officer or therapist provide effective uh, pro-social messaging if they aren't aware of their clients' successes? Uh, Other questions, like how can we help supervised persons, we call them program members, in an effort to shift some of the language away from stigma-inducing vocabulary, a better connect to resources, uh, which at that time uh, might have consisted, say, of a pamphlet with phone numbers or addresses that may not have been useful or accurate, or how does a supervision officer manage extremely high caseloads and increasing case complexity, uh, such as the, as they're called, comorbidities like unresolved behavioral health concerns or substance use, or perhaps extend uh, additional services and provide for the increased needs of youth, uh, such as education or other developmental resources. Uh, According to data, average caseloads are well in excess of the recommended American Probation and Parole Association's guidelines, uh, which is 20 high-risk clients per officer and and 60 in the other circumstances. But we've we've seen across the country is that in some areas, these caseloads uh, extend up into the the mid-hundreds, which begs the question of whether that officer in that situation really has time to interact in a rehabilitative manner with their clients or simply in uh, you know, what's really an unenviable position of spending the majority of their time processing violations and returning many of their clients to custody. I should mention along the way that uh, we observe the human being at the center of the process you know, is a person who's generally obtaining some balance of uh, public safety, public health, or other human services uh, from a group of uh, interrelated organizations. 
meaning that on the one hand, those resources aren't under one roof for that person. And on the other, that there are multiple people in multiple organizations with a vested interest in the recovery and successful reentry of that program member. So we asked ourselves, you know, how can we remove stovepipes, uh, better coordinate resource delivery and improve collaboration to reduce recidivism and relapse? So with concerns like that in mind, Rachel, we envision the track tech platform as a way of using technology to increase the engagement of the client or the program member, align them to the community-based resources they need, and increase the operational efficiency uh, and effectiveness of organizations that service the justice-involved population. And thank you so much for that explanation. There was so many things I heard going into what the inspiration was for track tech. I mean, even just calling people program members is helping diminish that stigma around people reentering society and getting people jobs and having success. And I mean, there's so much that goes into it. So I really appreciate all the factors that were looked at when building this app. So bravo and, and thank you for the work that you guys are doing. So one of the biggest things that this app is trying to do is reduce recidivism, which is, of course, somebody who's been in the criminal justice system that's now reentered society and then is reoffending and going back through the criminal justice system. So what would you say are some of the biggest factors in determining whether or not someone will reoffend? Well, sadly, Rachel, and, and I'm sure you already know, the uh, United States has amongst the highest recidivism or rate of reoffense uh, rates. Uh, in the world. And when you look through the literature, you'll see that it's frequently explained as a, as a complex set of uh, personal, uh, social, and economic factors that, that lead that individual to an increased likelihood of committing a property or drug crime. And, and while this is all true, I would focus on, on a couple of things here today. Uh, first, that a significant percentage of, of individuals on probation or parole uh, faced obstacles to reentry. Uh, driven by very significant behavioral health conditions or drug use. And from the conversations I've had around the country with public safety leaders, and this is uh, anecdotal, I know, um, those two factors have almost always been central to agency concerns, uh, especially in, in areas uh, affected by uh, methamphetamine uh, use or, or, uh, or opioids for that matter. And, and frankly, it's possible that much of that property crime is, is driven by the need for an individual to get money to support their drug habit. In fact, uh, one leader in the Midwest uh, remarked to me that uh, if he felt confident that a prisoner was able to be supported by a wraparound model in the community, uh, that they'd be much better served in that setting. And then he went further and remarked that such a framework supported by technology would enable his state to release about two thirds of their county jail population, who would then be supervised in that community setting with generally better outcomes. Uh, secondly, uh, and this is a, a, a big one that people may not know about, are, are technical violations, such as botched paperwork, uh, missing a drug test, or a curfew violation. Uh, these vary widely across the country, but in some states, technical violations are a leading cause of reincarceration to these state prison systems. As a country, we spend nearly $3 billion a year due to the consequence of these technical violations. And while it depends on the nature of the technical offense, uh, we believe at TrackTech that many of these revocations are avoidable. Uh, simply put, money spent warehousing prisoners would be far better deployed in the community than on locking people up for that botched paperwork, for that missing drug test, or, or for that curfew violation. And it's simply too easy for someone to fall back into old patterns given all the compliance requirements that can be placed upon individuals. So in a sense, uh, Rachel, there's a simple proposition here. Uh, connect people to the rehabilitative resources they need uh, to create positive behavior change, uh, keep them accountable, and we will see better outcomes. 
I love that you brought up the the technical violations because it's not something that we talk about a lot. It's usually, oh, somebody is going back through the criminal justice system. It must have been like a whole crime that was committed, right? But a, a lot of times, like you said, it can be those technical violations. So I know you hit on it a little bit about how the app is going to be reducing the recidivism rates, but could you go into a little bit more detail about what kind of features this app has that's going to help the program members not reoffend or not have those technical violations? Sure, sure thing, Rachel. And and you all, our mission is to uh, to reduce recidivism and relapse. Um, it's 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 important to mention that we don't actually do the work ourselves, right? But we provide a framework uh, and employ um, and uh, use assessment uh, based on evidence based practices for for justice, uh, health, and social services professionals to better understand uh, the individuals under their care uh, or supervision risks and needs, so that uh, their case management is uh, is is optimally responsive. Uh, in fact, we're uh, presenting on this uh, this topic today at the American Probation and Parole Association's Winter Training Institute, and we're calling the presentation Working Smart to Get It Right. Uh, and I mention it uh, in the sense that uh, right is an acronym that refers to using technology to offer better rehabilitative resource access, uh, improved case management collaboration, a gain in behavioral insight to inform uh, case management uh, responses, uh, a focus on delivering a human-centered solution and transforming uh, the operations of that agency or organization. Uh, so with that framework in mind, we basically propose three specific areas in which technology can, can be used in conjunction with evidence-based practices to reduce recidivism and relapse. Uh, the first is basically what we call client engagement and enablement. And this is about tracking progress rather than tracking people. Mm -hmm. um, so when you've got a, a multi-mode, uh, you know, an on-demand communication mechanism that allows you to engage, uh, whether it's the client or the officer, uh, in two ways, by video, uh, near real-time messaging, uh, et cetera, uh, that, that person in the community can then engage with that officer or therapist more easily. And then when you flip it around and it's not necessarily the agency looking out towards that client, but the client looking back towards the agency, uh, these tools are, are, are powerful in the hands of the client. You can then use them uh, proactively to find and engage resources to self-service uh, around needs and, and their requirements, uh, engaging those resources uh, directly uh, within the community. Again, saving some time and, and some money as well. Uh, the second piece of this, and then uh, perhaps even more important, given the kind of restrictions that we've got uh, uh, due to our, our COVID situation, is, is improving access to rehabilitation programs and, and those community-based resources that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, within our platform, um, individuals nationwide can uh, actively seek uh, homeless shelters to address uh, food and housing security issues. Uh, they can uh, configure a, a set of behavioral health resources um, at an agency or location uh, level there and can be provided uh, in that regard out to the client, as well as augmenting those with, uh, with app-driven uh, solutions uh, to address substance abuse and, and other kinds of challenges and, and, and problems uh, to extend into things like life skills, uh, we offer curricula around shoplifting, anger management, uh, other sort of basic household tasks that someone may really need to learn after, after years of incarceration uh, and, and other life resources of this nature. And then we kind of shift back from the client again and into the agency uh, once more. Uh, you know, we really look to help these agencies uh, improve their, their efficiency and effectiveness in um, their resource delivery. Uh, you know, they're able to see their entire uh, caseload uh, at the agency in, in a very quick fashion, uh, ascertain who needs help uh, immediately and direct resources uh, uh, more quickly uh, to those individuals in need. 
Um, and then there are other forms of interaction there that can just reduce the amount of time spent, um, you know, driving around uh, for home visits. And, uh, you know, in, in some of our locations uh, where clients are currently using software, uh, they're, they're able to leverage the virtual nature of the, the interactions to, to reach more than uh, about three times as many clients as they were previously. So uh, great success there. I want to talk a little bit about cognitive behavioral therapy, because I know your app talks a lot about this. It's something that is proven to help reduce recidivism. So you mentioned on the TrackTech website that cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, can be used to help reduce recidivism rates. And that was based on a 20-year study, 61% returned to prison versus 82% who are not using the CBT. Can you tell me more about that study and its findings? And was the CBT done in person versus on an app or through a platform? And can you tell me a little bit about how CBT is used on an automated system? Well, in a broader framework, I think it's important to, to note that um, uh, almost every study I've come across in in, in this sort of uh, sector ha has indicated that upfront investments, uh, you know, that really help address the the root causes of recidivism, um, you know, that can be treated with uh, with things such as CBT, uh, always pay off down the road. So so drug courts and similar programs like that. Um, within um, uh, whether that's within a traditional framework or a restorative justice framework, uh, almost always seem to yield uh, you know, a, a great cost benefit down the road. So that, that money spent up front on a drug court or on treatment then really uh, decreases cost to the community and, and, and cost to victims down the road. Um, so as we, as we kind of move down into CBT a little more specifically, I, I have to say I'm not a trained clinician. So I did speak with our director of behavioral health Dr. Lacey Berman about this subject earlier in the week, and she pointed me to some additional research um, that I'll try and summarize for the audience today. Uh, so in brief, uh, numerous studies have concluded that online therapy can provide a patient with the help they're seeking and uh, that this help is likely to be just as, if not more effective than going to see a therapist in person. From the patient's perspective, the studies report that the rate of satisfaction uh, was the same for both face-to-face -face and uh, virtual forms of CBT. Uh, from the provider and also, I guess, the patient's perspective, uh, virtual CBT or teletherapy was viewed as being more cost-effective than face-to-face -face, uh, CBT. Now, under our current COVID-19 circumstances, uh, I'd add that it's uh, potentially likelier easy and easier to communicate with a therapist online when many physical doors are closed and also healthier with regard to transmission of disease uh, going to see a therapist online. Uh, and so why at TrackTech are we confident in, in the conclusion uh, that you mentioned in your question? Uh, several meta studies or, or studies of studies which compare numerous research efforts side by side show similar and positive results uh, about the efficacy of the treatment. Uh, one systematic review that uh, Dr. Berman referenced uh, for me was an analysis of 17 studies done in 2020. And it found that the electronically delivered CBT was a uh, uh, both more effective than face-to-face -face, uh, CBT at reducing the severity of depression uh, symptoms, uh, and that the rate of satisfaction, again, remained the same for both face-to-face -face and the electronic uh, format in the, in the studies. Uh, a second systematic review of studies uh, regarding uh, virtual CBT uh, found uh, that in 2016 uh, that it caused significant decreases in anxiety and depression symptoms, uh, and that overall reductions in anxiety and these depression symptoms were equal to or better than face-to-face -face CBT results. 
Uh, this form of therapy was also found to be um, just as effective as face-to-face -face, uh, treatment for panic disorder and a number of other um, disorders such as uh, PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, panic disorders, and specific phobias compared to uh, people who were in the control group. Uh, in the third and last systematic, systematic review, uh, and this one was of 14 studies done in 2018, uh, researchers found that uh, virtual CBT led to a 50% improvement rate in symptoms across a broad spectrum of conditions, uh, many of which I mentioned earlier, but also uh, social anxiety, obsessive compulsive behaviors, compulsive gambling, uh, and stress and chronic fatigue. Uh, so when we look at these results, uh, I just mentioned that the treatment protocols duration that they examined in all these studies range from about eight to 15 weeks, uh, which is comparable in scope to one of our components uh, within the platform that is called Breaking Free. Uh, this is an app-driven cognitive behavioral therapy module uh, within our system that uh, is built uh, specifically to address substance use disorders. Uh, we're very, very proud to be working with Breaking Free, uh, who has really made it possible to deliver CBT at scale and, and automated, so to speak, at the individual case level for those seeking therapy. Uh, the software is specialized to address at least 140 different substances. It's modular, it's on demand, and it can be used on its own as a freestanding platform or in tandem with a therapist uh, in conjunction with uh, medication-assisted therapy. Uh, Breaking Free uh, was developed in the United Kingdom uh, by a team of uh, clinical professionals. And in that country, this sort of technology has been supporting the successful reentry of tens of thousands of people there for about a decade. And it's got uh, dozens of published peer-reviewed studies to support its use in both custodial and community settings. Uh, so again, we're really proud to be working with them and really look forward to seeing the increased use of this kind of software in North American communities uh, with similar success. Uh, so as I alluded to uh, above regarding access and availability, uh, teletherapy uh, creates fewer hurdles for people to attend treatment. Uh, and we believe it can be used to reach people more effectively in smaller communities and remote areas as well. Uh, and uh, along the way, it can decrease uh, therapy-related costs and um, disruption to schedules, childcare, parking, and travel time, and so forth for the client. So um, hopefully that gives you a pretty good background of you know, where we view CBT fitting into uh, our system and uh, that the results um, you know, really uh, that one should expect will be positive. Great, thank you so much for explaining all of that. That's really exciting news hearing about breaking free and that you all are able to work with them. I had never heard of using a modular system to do CBT, but when you explained it, I was like, that makes so much sense. So thank you for giving that explanation. That's really exciting. I would imagine sometimes people with substance abuse issues could have shame around that. I've, I've spoken with a girl, we, we talked about addiction on my podcast and how it, you know, it can be an illness. And she said, there's a lot of shame that goes along with that. So I would think being able to have a, an, an automated system where you're not having to, you know, say things to a person, you know, you might be able to be a little bit more honest with yourself and, and really kind of help work through that. So that's really cool that, that that's an option for some people. So thank you again for explaining that. Oh, sure thing. And that's, you know, one thing that we've noticed in general with, with video interactions uh, in both the therapeutic setting and in the sort of supervisory, you know, home visit or, or, or similar kind of uh, scenario, uh, both um, officers and therapists uh, have, have anecdotally, again, remarked to me that uh, they, they feel like they have a little bit better candor, a little more uh, of a of a clear picture of what somebody's life actually looks like. They can see, you know, through the camera, like what's in their fridge, what's the house look like, what are their interactions appear to be like socially with other members of the family, things like that. So there, there are some insights that, um, you know, maybe it's counterintuitive, but um, that the 
the presence of that screen sort of as a filter between the two people seems to improve to some degree the, the level of, of confidence or trust that those relationships then are able are, are then marked by uh, in those conversations. And you're comfortable in your own home. And then like you mentioned, having like a therapist or something, being able to have that view into your life, I would think would, would increase the connection, but also kind of give, like you said, the better idea of, of where this person is in their progress. So according to the Track Tech website, this app will help reduce the stigma and increase the success of those reentering society with a criminal record. So how does Track Tech work to dismantle the stigma and the barriers that exist within our society? Because there are so many that prevent people with criminal records from achieving their basic needs, such as housing, employment, and healthcare. I'm wondering, is Track Tech partnering with other organizations or employers to ensure that those individuals who are doing everything right according to the app, are they able to overcome some of those barriers? Uh, it certainly it certainly makes it easier for the the supervised person to to demonstrate success, you know whether that's you know compliance or progress uh, with respect to uh, you know their their efforts to enter society society successfully. And we are we are involved in a number of conversations, um, most actively uh, here in Colorado, where we're located uh, with nonprofit organizations, uh, community groups, and resource providers uh, that. Uh, or you know, affiliated in some way with uh, the judicial and human service agencies uh, within the state. Um, I, I can't go into a ton of details right now because uh, these efforts are, are you know, they're 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 long term and they're in progress. And um, uh, you know, with that in mind, I would say with with that range of of other service providers um, and some of whom are clients actually uh, within like the sober living, uh, transitional services, and and um, uh, vocational communities. Uh, we've been uh, putting together uh, some proposals to create new capabilities. Um, and this is all in conjunction with uh, other stuff that's going on in the state that we are certainly not in the lead on, but uh, are, are very pleased to be um, you know, uh, uh, trying to make a positive contribution towards. Uh, but you know, these are various efforts, such as the state's uh, uh, Take Two Transitional Work Opportunity Program and, and other efforts um, to improve housing availability, food security, and employment opportunities. Um, so I would say our efforts in this regard really are, are working uh, to connect the dots, so to speak, uh, remove stovepipes and uh, increase collaboration uh, between agencies and these supportive service providers within the community. First and foremost, our technology is not an ankle monitor. Uh, it functions on an off-the-shelf smartphone like any other uh, Apple or Android device, and the supervised person is uh, therefore not wearing a device that clearly marks them out in a social setting. Uh, when we talk about stigma, it's uh, frequently about the device appearance and its place in the history of, of taking people and marking them in ways that are effectively meant to act as a type of punishment. Uh, but what this traditional use of devices also reflects is what academics call the dynamics of uh, carceral surveillance, uh, which uh, is viewed by some as discriminatory and punitive. And we would say that simply using location tracking or monitoring for substance use uh, is not going to help resolve the, the broader social politics that impact people's lives or address the root causes of recidivism. So when we talk about our devices or our platform, we want to draw a clear distinction here between how uh, the system works now and TrackTech's view of how it could work better. Uh, we're focused on changing the di those dynamics of supervision and view the mobile platform as a vehicle for resource delivery. And while it can be used to monitor compliance, which is in some cases unavoidable, uh, and not to mention that that may uh, kind of leave them with the only other option is remaining incarcerated, uh, we remain focused on, on therapeutic solutions and accountability. 
Uh, clients have access to uh, rehabilitative support services on our system, like job opportunities, access to these therapists and, and food security, as I've mentioned earlier. Uh, and this is part of what differentiates uh, track tech from most legacy technology, as well as the thinking about how that technology is used. So with that in mind, uh, we're working to demonstrate thought leadership from inside this area of society uh, to encourage pragmatic policy change. And you'll see this in our social media content around juvenile justice reform, employment, education, uh, addiction concerns, and other areas which may have a, a more, uh, a, another stigmatizing impact or present barriers to successful reentry. I'm so glad that you brought up the stigma that comes with things like having an ankle monitor. And, and even though this app sometimes will be used for that compliance factor, that you're still putting the human being at the middle and you're wanting to focus on the therapy because you're focusing on the things that are going to really make a difference in reducing recidivism. So thank you so much for bringing that up and for explaining it to us. Well, one more remark there real quick, uh, Rachel, and that's just that, you know, that only about 2% of everyone who's under community supervision is wearing an ankle monitor currently. And that's, you know, roughly a quarter million people of the, the you know, 4.7 million or so um, that are on probation or parole. Uh, so, you know, 98% of the people who are under community supervision aren't wearing an ankle monitor now, but they likely account for the majority of that, that 60 to 70% recidivism that we see sort of across the country. Uh, so really it's those 98% of the people that need access to services that we should reach out and help. And that's one of the things that we're trying to do. Absolutely. Focus on, you know, where the main problem is. So I appreciate, I appreciate you bringing that up and um, for giving us a further explanation there. The last question I have for you today, money always is a, is an issue for some people. So is there a cost to this app? And if so, who is paying for it? Well, there, there is a fee associated with the app, uh, though it's well under a dollar a day. Uh, and this is generally paid by the agency. Um, when I, when I first came to track tech, uh, I, I do recall a few conversations in, in, in various counties where, where the policy was to charge the supervised person or the program members, we refer to them, uh, a fee. And, and our system is configurable to accept payments um, from individuals, um, but um, it can also be used by the agency or work to support a hybrid model where those costs might be split. Uh, for example, if an organization wanted to assign some very particular expense to that supervised person while still paying the supervision fees uh, as an agency, you know, we could configure the system to do that. Uh, for example, uh, if an officer wanted to have their client purchase uh, an online lear learning module, sort of a la carte, uh, that person could, could do that on a one-off basis while not being on the hook for the recurring fees. And, you know, these decisions are usually a result of local policy uh, over which we, we don't really have any control. But, you know, speaking more broadly, uh, we do not believe in piling additional expenses onto people who are trying to get their feet under them and get moving towards a successful uh, reentry. Uh, you know, this practice uh, is not only stressful for them, but uh, it can have uh, collateral consequences, uh, you know, to the family. Um, and it doesn't make sense to pile fees on top of fees for somebody who's just simply unable to pay them. Uh, they may be unemployed or underemployed. And, and as I mentioned, it's just certainly another source of, of unneeded stress. Uh, it's really, it's rather our mission to, to provide uh, an engaging platform that, that, that helps those individuals uh, access the right tools uh, to stay on the right track. I have been speaking with Ben Williams, the Chief Alliance Officer at TrackTech. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ben. It has been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you want to learn more about TrackTech, please go to tracktechllc.com to learn more. And if you want to learn more about me and what I do, please visit www.crisisofcrime.com. 
You'll be able to find all of my podcasts on there as well as my YouTube videos and my links to social media. If you are interested in supporting me, there is a support tab on my website where you can sign up to become a patron. Another great way to support me is to like and share this content, so any kind of support would be appreciated. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will see you next time.